Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where you are part owner. Member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by Lee Pomeroy. Good morning. I'm going to start out today with Every Day is Earth Day reading a bunch of headlines that have been top of the news lately. And I'm going to start with one. Here we go. Urgent. Climate, please. There's no more time. Pledge to stop financing coal plants overseas. Greta mania erupts in Scotland. Two top polluters, Russia and China, likely won't attend. Save the trees. Forest preservation pledge ends COP26. And on and on, all about the climate summit known as COP26 in Glasgow, Scotland, going on. And with me to talk about that as someone who has a keen interest in that is Dr. Don Friend, a professor of geography here at Minnesota State and a Jefferson Science Fellow. Good morning. Good morning, Karen. It's nice to be with you again. I'm sure you have been watching all these headlines as well. Oh, absolutely. With bated breath, as a matter of fact. Talk a little bit about your background and interest in this particular area, because people hear geography and they say, well, what? how does that connect? Shouldn't we just be looking at maps and place names? Right, yeah. right. No. <laughs> geography is about the distribution of things. Where? Why are things where they are? Why? Why is climate where it is and how does it control? So I'm, I, I'm equally interested in our atmosphere and our Earth, but in particular, how they interact. And that is climate and climate change. That's the heart of my expertise. And as a matter of fact, I just spent a year, I've had a sabbatical year now, uh, with the Office of Global Climate Change at the United States Agency for International Development. And uh, several of my colleagues attended then, when I was working with them, they attended COP25. So COP, what's COP? Well, what it, it's an acronym, and it is the Conference of the Parties. Well, who are the parties and what's the conference? Yeah, what is it? Let's talk, because now we're talking COP26. So right, what well, was... so we're, this is COP26. So it's the 26th time the parties have gotten together in a conference. And the parties are the original signatories of the United Nations Framework, uh, UNFCCC, United Nations Framework, uh, I always have to look it up acronyms, to, get, to get all the yes. C's right. Uh, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. Okay. So this goes back to 1992. Some of you might remember there was the so-called Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro. And there was the United Nations Conference on Environment and Development, UNSAID. Part of UNSAID was to talk about climate. And so as part of the 90, 1992 Rio Earth Summit, they had a separate mini conference within it that created the framework on climate change, the framework conference on climate change. What triggered it to do that back in 1992? What was it that all of a sudden somebody said, we should do this? Climate change was happening then. I this mean, is, but it was probably before, but there must have been, was it Oh, it's been happening, bell? it's been happening human. Since humankind. Induced, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, but it, 
rose to greater levels of awareness beginning in the 80s and 90s. In the 80s, we were talking about, oh, is it going to be global cooling or is it going to be global warming? There was great debate about that. And pretty well by the early 90s, we'd figured out, no, 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 it's global warming. But in the press, there were also skeptics. Oh, you know, 10% of scientists don't agree, blah, blah. Well, it's a lot of hooey. All the scientists agreed. There were some people in industry who did not want to cut back on the use of fossil fuels. They wanted to keep selling coal, keep selling oil. And so they funded all kinds of anti-climate change stuff. And so the UN, as part of this conference on the environment and development, said we need a separate thing on climate. And so that's where it started. And part of this UNFCCC, a few years later, they got it together and they met for the first time in Kyoto in Japan. So there was the Kyoto Protocol that laid out how much carbon, how much CO2 should we produce, should each country produce or not produce? Uh, what are schemes for this? How can we do this? And essentially, everybody ignored that for about 15 years. They, they, they did it, but not much happened. So the same signatories for the UNFCCC got together in Kyoto, and then they got together 15 years later in Paris and made the Paris Climate Agreement. And that had a little more teeth, if you will. Everybody agreed that, sure, we've got to let go of equity issues. You know, India never polluted as much, so should they be allowed to have more carbon than the United States? Everybody finally agreed to let go of that and said, we need we need to get beyond the fact that it is it may or may not be fair to newer developing countries it's everybody's issue now everybody has everybody's to, participating everybody's participating we got to get together on this so we created the paris accords uh which countries started adhering to it was just it was an international agreement um there's no policing with this it's just everybody every government cooperates it's like the honor system almost absolutely and uh previous presidential administration said we don't want international control uh, they pulled us out of it but to pull us out of it it's a three-year advance notice so uh, even though trump said we're pulling out almost the day he was elected it took three years to pull us out pulled us out in 2020 and then a few months later biden was elected literally his first day in office or maybe second day in office he got us back in which takes a 30-day notice. So we've been back in the Paris Accords and this agreement since early in 2021. Now, when they meet at these these conferences, yeah. do they sign something that says, we're going to do this, and then at the next conference, do they have a report saying, hey, look what we did? Or is it a matter of their saying, I guess we haven't quite done what we wanted, let's try and do it again? That is a great question, and it it it's a little more specified than that rather than just getting together every year and saying oh we did or we didn't right uh every fifth one of these things they set goals and in 2018 they set some very very hard goals that uh they're called progression over time what is your progression and the idea is you're supposed to progress on getting cleaner and cleaner air less and less co2 less and less methane well 2018 uh, so the, f- the fifth year is coming up, the progression year, 2023. And so this is why all these presidents of countries were there. Greta Thunberg was there. Everybody was there saying, get your act together and really do this because 2023 is coming and we're not meeting our goals. Well, and I just before we went on the air, I mentioned that Greta Thunberg was out there at some 
counter protest or something yelling Correct. yelling blah 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 no more blah 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 basically saying you know what you guys have had has been all talk right. and no no action and so i think that's kind of what the the idea is Let's just not sit and just talk right. some more about it and talk it to death. That's correct. Um, now, to be sure, both things are happening. On on one hand, we're not seeing instantaneous action that Greta Thunberg, Thunberg, I'm not sure how she pronounces Thunberg. her last name, Thunberg, yeah. Yeah. would want to see. However, large global economies turn slowly. Right. And given that it's a large global economy and every government... Uh, including our own and our own electorate are a little fickle and, and and some do and some don't want to change. Having political will to do this is a different issue than than a scientific need. I believe that in our country, at least, we are actually the political will is turning towards agreeing with the scientific need. And so it takes more than just a president to say, let's do this. It takes the captains of industry to do it. So we're now seeing all the large automakers saying we're going to have this many electric cars on the market by this date. And that's really happening. And one of the pl- the pledges I saw in the, the headline was pledge to stop financing coal plants overseas. Yeah. So there's another pledge. Is that There a- there's another pledge. Is it happening? I don't know. Uh yes, in some places it is. It's certainly happening in the US now. But how do you drive this? Is a coal company going to be invested and say, yeah, we're going to stop investing in in our core business? No. No. But if the largest groups of stockholders, for example, university pension funds and university uh, endowment funds, if they stop investing in fossil fuels, ouch. Follow the money. Follow the money. And this this is happening many, many places. And so we also have figured out that coal is expensive. It's expensive to mine. It's even more expensive to deal with in the long term. The health-related issues, the pollution issues that come from coal make it not a great solution. And it turns out it doesn't hire that many people either. It's not a huge economic driver anymore. I assume if you're from the coal mines of, of Virginia or someplace, you pro- I mean, that's your main industry. So it would probably, for that, that group would probably be a big deal. But looking down to the future... What are some other things that can replace that? Absolutely. Well, coal in general is used for base power, uh, powering large electrical power plants. And we indeed need some large electrical power plants. Wind and solar can replace this to an extent, but it can't always be so-called base power. So can we have cleaner coal? Yes, we can continue to scrub coal, but it's still not helping us much. What's interesting, what what is a fascinating shift, and actually one of my grad students is doing a thesis on this right now, is shifting from so-called demand side to supply, from supply side to demand side. So the supply side is, oh, we need more power plants Mm -hmm. uh, because we got more people and more electrical need. And the, the demand side is how much electricity do people want? Well, it turns out if you put some photo panels on the roof of your house, you're not demanding as much electricity from the supplier. And it's now becoming financially feasible to do that. What would happen if even 20% of all the homes in Mankato, for example, had photo panels on their roof? We wouldn't quite need 20% less electricity. We'd probably need about 15% less electricity. But 15% electricity statewide, if everybody's in the state, 
that's one or two less power plants. And that's a lot less coal. Now, but it also means it's not so much money in the utility company's pocket, if we think nationwide. Um, but it is money in the pocket of those who build and install solar panels. And that higher, that, that, is more people in jobs. So making the shift to making the shift to renewable yeah. hires more people than the it don't doesn't take very many people to run a coal mine. It takes a lot of people to put up windmills and to change the infrastructure. And so yeah, I have a, a grad student looking at this right now for North Mankato. Yeah. What are your thoughts as you've been watching the headlines and kind of listening in on what's going on of, of how things are, I guess, playing out with the the climate summit again my, my thoughts are twofold one it's it's status quo for a large international meeting there are 20,000 attendees who you know from each country there are a couple of hundred uh, delegates who from their respective departments of state and foreign ministries and some a few of their scientists and so these are the parties, and it's a giant conference. Well, how do you get 20,000 people together to agree on something? You have to <laughs> divide it up in small issues, and you have focus groups. And then to try and write common language, somebody drafts a document, and then you got to get them in a room with 50 or 100 or 200 people then to agree on it, and everybody disagrees. And ay, 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 ay. So on one hand, it's an exercise in frustration because there are hundreds of people trying to agree. Sure. Then, but on the other hand, you have the heads of state of the largest, most prosperous countries in the world, with the exception of, well, China didn't show up and Russia didn't show up, uh, and now Brazil. Now, Brazil is, uh, they're, the, they're the anti-climate change country right now. Okay. All right, so they're in the news. They aren't such a huge player in, in terms of this, but they're, they're big. Anyway, China and Russia are signatories to the Paris Agreement, but they're not, their heads of state didn't show up to say, rah, rah, go climate. Is that more of a political move than That's anything? a political move. Okay. Yeah, they, they don't want to be seen as being on board with Joe Biden, ah, you know, with, right. with the, the current American government, uh, that, that the U.S. is establishing dominance and the U.S. is pushing them around telling what to do. They don't want to be. They don't want that. So on one hand, it's politics as usual and business as usual at a large international conference. On the other hand, we do have all these heads of state saying, we are changing. We are going to do more electric cars. We are going to move away from fossil fuels. And these are our goals. By 2030, we're going to have this percentage. By 2040, we're going to be at that percentage. By 2050, that's big. And the captains of industry are getting on board with it as well. Do you think it's doable? Because, you know, in the past, maybe they've said, Let, we're going to do this, and then it comes around. Well, we didn't quite get that, so we're going to try this. Do you think it's doable I think with it's the timeline? Good, good question. Yeah, it's a good question. I would love to. It is doable. It's physically doable. Is there enough political will from every voter and and every person who'd have to buy an electric car to do it? Maybe not. Uh, but we got to try. If we don't try, we're not going to get there. Do you do you give up on the uh, on going for the touchdown because maybe you won't get there, or do you try and you at least get a first down? I was listening to a. a a national public radio broadcast where they had someone, I don't remember the name of the person, on basically saying, it's too late. We're past the point of re no return in terms of being able to stop global warming. It's going to happen regardless. It is happening. It's, it's not a, a, a an, an if or then. It is happening. 
Can we slow it down? Yes, we can. But we can't stop it. But we can't stop it. No. We Once can't an stop iceberg's it. melted, it's melted. Correct. But we can slow it down, and that would be good. Be really, really good. Uh, we have these eight, so by 2050, this much ice will melt. Well, if we don't do anything, yeah, for sure, that much ice is going to melt. We're already seeing the effects. One, uh, one example I shared with my students literally just yesterday the amount of heat that is coming. Well, how many of our listeners out there as a kid detasseled corn in the summer? How hot and sticky and oh, uncomfortable it's was It's awful. But you were out there as a kid 20 years ago when it was a 90 degree day and it might have been and it's humid because those right. those all those corn plants are putting out a lot of moisture. So it's a 90 degree day and the humidity makes it feel like it's about 105. So it's hot and it's sticky and the corn is cutting you. And you, you know, can't wait till your Kool-Aid break. You can't wait for your Kool-Aid break and so on and so forth. Well, but at least it was only felt like 105 with a heat index. Now it's 100 or 105 in the field and you add the humidity of the heat index it's 120 and people are getting injured and dying doing this this is already here and in minnesota not just in the tropics not in ag areas of india not in inner cities and it is right here in minnesota there's another headline that i got from i think it was probably one of the twin cities newspapers dire un climate report demands that minnesota and congress be bold and it talks about earlier in the month the un's intergovernmental panel on climate change the ipcc released the latest report on climate change describing in terrifying detail its intensifying effects and then they say the findings report makes clear the urgency of passing meaningful climate legislation in minnesota and nationwide in 2021, basically saying Congress, by policy, needs to pass some uh, some policy that rapidly transitions the country to an equitable, clean energy economy. So it might be through policy that some of this is going to have to happen if you're not going to get people to do it on their own. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it needs to happen. And, and how can we do that? I mean, talk to your congressperson, because there are some that ne- aren't necessarily right. on board. So is it a carrot or is it a stick? Okay. And carrot. Let's tax incentives for installing solar panels, tax incentives for buying an electric car, tax incentives for retraining uh, technicians who repair your car to learn how to repair electric vehicles. All right. Those are all carrots. Lovely. Stick. Fining them for polluting. Fining for more, too much CO2 coming out of the, your tailpipe. Fining for too much CO2 coming out of your smokestack. Fining for a methane leak in your uh, oil drilling operation. All right, all these kinds of things. So is it carrot or stick? Well, let's do some carrots. Uh, I would say that that's low-hanging fruit. That's easy to do. People are going to get on board with us. They want a clean environment. They want to do good things. Why is it not happening in some cases, though? Mm, It is not happening because there are naysayers. It is purely political. It is purely political. Truly those who disagree with Democrats these days. They say, oh, I don't want to do anything the Democrats want me to do, so therefore I'm going to disagree with everything that the Democrats are saying. That's nuts. (laughs) Because you, and I might be conflating some things here, and small apologies in advance, because you might 
believe in you know in open carry for firearms does that mean you should not be on board with electric vehicles they have nothing to do with each other and yet because one of the democratic party platforms right now is is uh thoughtful gun control oh well we couldn't possibly do anything a democrat agrees with and so therefore let's keep polluting and it's like these things don't go together separate these things make thoughtful decisions and it goes the other way uh those who are elected officials who may be uh pro-gun will vote vote for some solid environmental legislation now and also who's lobbying you asked about the carrot why not more carrots who's lobbying well it's not in the power company's interest to have a whole lot of uh solar panels on roofs and they don't want tax incentives for those other industries that are going to compete with them. And so oh, that's why it doesn't happen. Is it going to be the grassroots of people like a Greta Thunberg? I know a lot of people maybe poo-poo her because she's It already kid. is the grassroots. Yeah. How many children at her urging marched out of school one day? Do you remember that two years ago? Almost every kid on the planet walked out of school for an hour. That's huge. That woke that woke some people up. This is happening. So you're hoping the new generation is going to be able to maybe take it to where it needs to go in terms of they're going to help us get there. Th- yeah, yeah, they are helping us get there. I think of my you and I were chatting before we went on air. We chatted about my son very briefly. He just finished his bachelor's degree in chemical engineering. Uh, he does not want to go to work for an, for an oil company. He could do that. Right. No, probably make good money. He would make really good money at an oil refinery. But it's not what he wants to do. He wants to make a better battery, uh-huh. okay, and a better uh, and and better cooling equipment and whatnot for appropriate technology for electric cars. Da, da, da. This is the kind of work that he's chasing after. Do you think higher education is moving more toward that and trying to shift that a little bit, or do you still think we're maybe stuck in the, I guess, what has always been? Oh, both. I think both the. Certainly, it's a renewed awareness. Uh, there was a lot of this around Earth Day, 1971, first 72, first Earth Day, April 22nd. Oh, my goodness. And huge movement. You know, everybody wanted green this. I'm, <laughs> I'm a poster child for that. My bachelor's degree is in conservation of natural resources. Okay. Class of 1984. All right. That, that major no longer exists. But when I look back at where my, the college my major was in, oh my word, they're doing even more work than I ever dreamed possible. And things, exercises that I did, this supply side, demand side thing I just mentioned about solar panels versus power plants, I had to do an exercise about that as an undergrad, calculating how much energy we would use. Now we're seeing this. Now we're seeing tax incentives. Now we're seeing an entire industry that is sprung up or sprung up. And so to make it as a as an either or, oh, colleges are doing well, or you know, higher ed is doing well on this, or higher ed is not doing well on this, it, it's a, it's more integrated than it used to be. We are talking about it across the curriculum. Um, it has uh, one of the parts of it that has morphed that is becoming aware we're becoming aware of the social justice movements, and part of that are the environmental justice movements. Well. People lower on the socioeconomic spectrum, why are, where do they live? Well, they live in neighborhoods 
where they can afford to live, which happen to be neighborhoods that are usually closer to factories, closer to industrial Mm -hmm. facilities, that don't have green space, they don't have city parks, they don't have trees, on and on and on. And so it turns out we have environmental racism. How do you improve that? You improve the environment. You reduce greenhouse gases. You plant more trees. You do all these kinds of things. But you have to do this not just in the forest. You need more green space in cities. You all these kinds of things. So it's both. Urban planning has got to be a huge part of, I think, what they need to look at as well, because that's where it's going to come down to is is how they're going to plan our future cities. And urban planning, and we're now seeing uh, most every state in the country now has a so-called chief resilience officer. Yeah, and I'd never heard of that before. And a chief resilience officer is usually a planner. Now, you can't go out and get, there's nobody that offers a degree in resilience. (laughs) Okay. But we talk about this, we're talking about it in geography right now, here at MSU, where I know we're talking about it in environmental sciences. I hope my geology and anthropology colleagues are talking about it. I know some of my sociology colleagues are talking about it, and I believe my planning colleagues are talking about all of this. And so, yeah, resilience, resilience to disruption. Is it social disruption? Is it a flood of, literally, is it a flood or an earthquake? Is it a heat wave? Whatever the disaster may be, or is it the slow-moving disaster of climate change? How are we resilient to this? Uh, and Yes, I think we're raising the awareness. I think it's happening. What do you think is going to happen at the end of this summit, the, the climate summit? I mean, they meet, every, like you said, 20,000 people. They're all meeting. They're all talking. They sign a bunch of agreements. And then what's next? What is next is I think what's, our, what's happening in this country right now, and we'll see this in varying degrees in varying countries. Uh, some countries will go right, right to it. And they will say, we're only, you know, new cars have to be this percentage of electric. Uh, We're going to, instead of building a coal-fired power plant, we're going to build a bunch of windmills. We're going to try and get in a lot of battery things. We're going to clean our coal, you know, scrub our uh, coal-fired smokestacks, all these kinds of things. Some of that will happen. Other places, well, they'll pay only lip service. Mm. And they'll go to what is the most financially expedient Uh, which is very disappointing. But I'm seeing it shifting in this country and the politics of being a global leader aside, we are still a global leader. Whether or not we are the global leader or is our uh, legacy waxing or waning, these things don't matter. We're still one of the global leaders to be sure. And also our economy is, is still... Uh, one of the leaders, and even China, whose economy is now slightly larger than ours, uh, or maybe it's maybe I'm wrong about that. Anyway, the second largest economy, they invest in our dollars because ours is a more stable economy. Totally fascinating to see how this works. So we're still a leader. Uh, we we want to be guarded about this strategically. However, if we start doing things green, other countries are going to do things green. And that's what we're doing. Well, let's hope it happens sooner than later. Uh, you know, and I don't know what else you have in terms of your role, having been this Jefferson Fellow. <laughs> Are you still in conversation with people about climate change and that sort of thing? Is that a part of what you do from continuing on? In a word, yes. I still consult with my colleagues uh, in various places at USAID. Um, you've had me on the air several times with uh, 
with visitors to mm-hmm. campus who speak in the geography colloquium. Uh, a week from Friday, we're going to have the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's chief scientist on. His name is Roger Pulwarty, and he's going to s- discuss, literally the title of his talk is National Climate and National Security. What day is that again? And That's, what, what that'll, time? Be a, that'll be a week from Friday at 3 in the afternoon. So what is that? The 12th. And three in the afternoon. It'll be online. Online. It's online. Go look on the geography department website. I don't have the URL with MNSU, me right now. Minnesota State University, Mankato under geography. We are talking with Professor Don Friend, who is a geography professor and a Jefferson Science fellow and very involved with climate change and all the science that goes with that. We want to thank you for your time. And we'll just keep watching and see what happens. Karen, it is always a pleasure to join you. Thank you very much. And all of those of you out there in, uh, I'll be trying, Radio Land, it's really good to be with you. Thanks for having me And I hope people will tune in uh, and try to check out the next week's speaker. Yes, so do I. All right, thank you. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where you are part owner. Member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by Lee Pomeroy. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union. With two locations in Mankato since 1934, it pays to bank where your part owner. Member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.